You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. What do pharmacy and the U.S. Supreme Court have in common? Find out next on this edition of Locked On Pharmacy. You are listening to the Locked On Pharmacy Podcast, the insider's view into the world of pharmacy. Hello, this is your host, Frank Fortin from the American Pharmacists Association. On Tuesday, October 6th, the U.S. Supreme Court is scheduled to hear oral arguments in the case of Rutledge versus PCMA, the Trade Association for Pharmacy Benefit Managers. The court has agreed to hear a case which could decide whether the state of Arkansas, and by extension other states, can pass laws to regulate PBMs. The hopes of many pharmacists and many state legislatures are riding on the outcome. With me to discuss the case are Elisa Bernstein, Senior Vice President for Pharmacy Practice and Government Affairs for APHA, and John Vinson, the CEO of the Arkansas Pharmacists Association. Welcome to both of you. Thanks, Frank. Hi. Thanks for having us today. Uh, welcome. It's our pleasure. Elisa, let's start with you. What is this case, and why is the Supreme Court hearing it? So, Frank, this is very exciting to the pharmacy community. Rarely does a pharmacy case get to the highest court in the country. I'm a pharmacist and a lawyer, and I happen to be a member of the Supreme Court Bar, and I'm thrilled that APHA is supporting the state of Arkansas in this case. It really is a showdown of the, at the Supreme Court to rule on the unfair and abusive practices that are really detrimentally impacting pharmacies across the country. And APHA and our national and state pharmacy partners are all in support of the state of Arkansas and the Arkansas Pharmacists Association in this case. So you asked what it is. So the case is known as Rutledge v. PCMA. And it's a challenge, as you said, by the Pharmaceutical Care Management Association, which is the national association representing America's pharmacy benefit managers, or PBMs, against the state of Arkansas. And Leslie Rutledge, who is named in the case, is the Arkansas State Attorney General. PBMs, on the other side, are the middlemen between the health plans and the pharmacies. And simply on behalf of the plan, these PBMs negotiate discounts and rebates and contract with pharmacies and maintain formularies and process prescription drug claims and payments, among other things. And the PBM practices and their impact is for another podcast, but in a nutshell, there really is no transparency or accountability in PBM transactions, and pharmacies and patients end up losing while the PBM ends up breaking in huge profits. We've seen this again and again and again. They make money on the spread, which is the difference between the prices they charge the plan for the cost of the drug and what they reimburse the pharmacy for that drug. So that's a little bit of background of really kind of what, what's happening um, in, in the PBM scene today. So 36 states across the country have passed laws regulating PBMs in some way, and other states have tried and failed. And the law at issue in this case which I, I think John is going to tell you more about, but just, it, just to set it up is the Arkansas Act 900 was passed in 2015. And really what it does is it prohibits PBMs from reimbursing pharmacies below their acquisition costs. Um, of course, the PBMs don't like this law. And PCMA sued the state of Arkansas. PCMA won at the district court, which is that court of first challenge. 
Arkansas appealed the case to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the second court of challenge, and PCMA won. Again, um, there's nowhere to go after the appellate courts except to the U.S. Supreme Court. And of the roughly eight to 10,000 cases per year that file a request for the high court to hear the case, only 1% are accepted to be heard. So this is a big deal that the pharmacy case is being heard. And the state of Arkansas got a huge boost from the Solicitor General for the case to be heard by the Supreme Court. You know, the, the Solicitor General is the highest ranking litigator representing the government in the United States. And in rare cases, the Supreme Court's asked the Solicitor General for the views on the US of whether the case should be heard. And in this case, the so Solicitor General gave a resounding yes that the Supreme Court should hear the case. Um, and they said that because not only was the eight, they claimed that the Eighth Circuit was wrong, um, but there are different outcomes on the same issue in other circuits across the country. And so the Solicitor General argued that the Supreme Court needs to settle these splits. So really kind of, again, just in a nutshell, the issue is that the Arkansas law, it, in the center stage in this case, the legal, the legal question is involves ERISA, which is an, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974. It's an old law. It was intended to provide nationwide consistent standards and requirements for employee retirement and health plans by preempting, which is basically preempting the states from passing laws and regulations that affect those employee retirement and health plans. And the Supreme Court is deciding whether that ERISA's broad preemption covers laws that cover the dealings between PBMs and pharmacies. Arkansas says no and is hoping and expecting, and we all expect that the Supreme Court and hope the Supreme Court will agree that, um, that the Arkansas state law is not preempted. So that's, that's the backdrop here. That's great, Elisa, thanks. John, this started in little old Arkansas, and one of the features of the American justice system is that very important cases can come from anywhere in the country. What are the origins of this case, and how did it get all the way to the Supreme Court? Frank, I love the reference you made to Little O, Arkansas. I totally agree with you. This, you know, this case is truly a David versus Goliath situation with Goliath being the, the middleman and PBMs who are not only a 500 plus billion dollar industry, they're now mostly vertically integrated with the large health insurance companies and they're, you know, have revenues earlier this year of over a trillion dollars. That's who we're up against. Um, but, you know, in, our, in Arkansas specifically, like many other states in the country, if you've read any of the briefs or read any of the information, you know, 46 different attorney generals in bipartisan fashion weighed in in support of Leslie Rutledge in addition to the Solicitor General that uh, Elisa just mentioned ago with the U.S. federal government. So nearly every state in the country, and in fact, all 50 states have passed meaningful PBM reform in the last 20 years. It started in Arkansas in the late 90s with our first bill being introduced in 2003 that was a licensure act with prohibited acts. Uh, this is not something that happens overnight. I mean, I was a student on the board of directors as a student in the College of Pharmacy in Little Rock 
when that bill was turned down and not passed in our state. So it took from 2003 until 2015 when Act 900 passed, which is the law in question, which establishes a few basic things like, you know, determining, you know, what is an unfair reimbursement with regard to the ability to purchase the prescriptions on the market, um, you know, updating those lists regularly, being able to decline if they've offered to take it or leave it term that, you know, puts you at risk from going out of business. And, you know, the most disturbing thing, the thing that I think the PBMs hated the most about that law, this is just my opinion, is the fact that it prohibited and made it a deceptive trade practice to then reimburse their own pharmacies that they own, including mail order specialty and retail. You know, one of the large PBMs owns the largest retail network on earth. And, you know, so they will design contracts and take it or leave it fashion that will be anti-competitive to competition. And competition is what keeps prices down, not the other way around. Elisa, we've heard why this case is important to pharmacy and to pharmacists, but why is this case important to patients? We need to keep our doors open. It's really important. You know, pharmacies across the country have been impacted by these PBMs abusive practices. And it's making it really difficult for pharmacies to do their do what they need to do. Um, you know, this must be curtailed. We've seen we're fighting COVID. Pharmacists have provided an all-in response. We're frontline healthcare providers. We're essential. We are critical access points in this country. And and even a recent study showed that patients see their pharmacists more often than they see, see their physicians. And so the patients really rely on us. Um, we can't shut our doors. So this is, it, it's really important for, for Arkansas to be able to win here and pave that way for the states to fully regulate and oversee and enforce the laws over PBMs. John, I have a similar question for you. Let's say the state wins its case against the PBMs. What happens after that in Arkansas? I think that to answer that question, you'd have to look at what question was presented uh, by Leslie Rutledge uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court to be answered by the Supreme Court. And at a high level, this is not the exact words, but just in layman's terms, whether the federal government interferes or preempts a state's ability to regulate the reimbursement rates that PBMs pay pharmacies. So this case is all about reimbursement rates. In this particular law, it had to do with mostly generic drug reimbursement rates, but that's not the question presented. The question presented is reimbursement rates. And whether that means, you know, reimbursement for product, reimbursement for dispensing, reimbursement for provider services, you know, as being paid as providers, all of those things are uh, something that this case could impact, you know, whether it's 340B, whether it is, um, you know, physicians and others. I know the American Medical Association submitted an amicus brief and the Cancer Oncology Alliance stood arm in arm with us. It has profound impact on not only Arkansas, but every other state and territory and District of Columbia the United States of America and the ability for providers to, um, to be paid fairly for their services. Thanks, John. Elisa, what can we expect on Tuesday? So Tuesday, the court's gonna hear the case. Um, 
because of Justice Ginsburg, Ginsburg's passing, only eight justices will hear the case. Um, and due to COVID, the case is not going to be in person. Um, it will be heard uh, by phone. Um, the way that it goes is the state of Arkansas will go first. Um, they'll have about 30 minutes to state their case. However, they're yielding about 10 minutes of their time for the Solicitor General to speak in support of their position. That's also, you know, doesn't happen often. That's the, after the Solicitor General speaks and after Arkansas's time, PCMA will have about 30 minutes to state their case and answer questions from the justices. And then Arkansas will have a time for, for rebuttal. Um, the court has said that the argument will be broadcast to the media who will then broadcast it to others, but we haven't seen those details yet. So we're looking, um, they also have said that a recording of the arguments will likely be available afterwards as well. So APHA will post information on our, um, on our website, www.pharmacist.com. We have a, a SCOTUS um, webpage with information. John, will you, what will you be doing on Tuesday? I will be in Washington, D.C. with the American Pharmacists Association and NCPA and NASPA, our national partners in our amicus brief or friend of the court legal brief that we have submitted to the U.S. Supreme Court as we discuss strategy, as we meet with our attorneys, uh, including Elisa and others, uh, our attorneys at the Catton Law Firm, uh, Rob Smith and Howard Rubin, we will all be listening closely to hear uh, what, what questions are being asked to, to better understand, you know, we're not gonna know how the case is gonna turn out, but we're certainly fascinated to see what questions are asked. You know, and to that point, Frank, I know you are surely wanna know what does it mean, you know, whether we win, whether the PBMs win, you know, is this case the end all be all to this situation that, Elisa has so eloquently described on the challenges that our profession faces. This case is, in my opinion, only the beginning. It's really important because it's at the national stage, at the highest court in the land. To my knowledge, it's the only case before the U.S. Supreme Court that directly impacts the practice of pharmacy that I know of. It's certainly the first case from the state of Arkansas where our attorney general in any industry has successfully petitioned a case to the U.S. Supreme Court, just to give you some context of how rare this is. So it will be a national discussion on how this industry is broken and what needs to happen to fix it for patients, more importantly than us, but for us too, um, no matter win or lose. Thanks, John. You know, the way things are going to look on Tuesday is a lot different than we anticipated back in January when the court announced it was going to take the case. So what's going to happen after Tuesday? Elisa? Well, there are, there are a number of possibilities for next steps. So to prevail, you have to have a majority of the justices decide in your favor. In this case, that would mean five of the eight justices will have to decide in favor of Arkansas. If there is a 4-4 tie, then the court can do a couple of things. They may decide to rehear the case when there's a full slate of the nine justices. If that happens, likely it will be rescheduled in a later term to rehear the case, or they can decide that they just want to dispose of the case of the tie, which would in essence affirm that lower court decision, which was in favor of PCMA. Um, as 
uh, you know, we, we are so grateful um, for Arkansas, for the state of Arkansas, for pushing this case through. But as, as John said, there have been a number of other cases and challenges um, in the courts across the country. And the courts are split on, on this issue. And so it's really important for the, the Supreme Court to decide here so that there is um, precedent that the courts, that the states can follow. So um, we are really hoping that the courts will decide, will either, you know, will, the state of Arkansas will prevail um, and, and, and the decision will be made. Um, a decision, though, is likely to come out in the middle of June, which is usually when the decisions for this session of courts come out. So we will have to wait, but we'll keep fighting the fight against the PBMs in other ways. Elisa, if um, a justice, if only eight justices are sitting for the oral arguments, only those eight would vote on the case. Is that correct? That's correct. If if um, a justice is seated during the term and they did not, were not part of the proceedings and hearing the oral arguments, they would not be uh, able to rule on the case. Very good, thank you. John, any, uh, any final words before we uh, complete here? Yeah, I wanna share one last thing. This is a great profession. I'm proud to be a part of it. There are lots of uh, opportunities in the future for us uh, as practitioners to make our mark on society and, and you know, the relief of suffering and, and cure of disease, and very proud to be a part of this, but this is not hyperbole. There has been major disruption in our profession. You know, when our graduates in Arkansas, 70% of them go into community settings, and those pharmacists should be able to practice at the top of their license and provide services to patients in rural parts of our state, all parts of our state, um, to to um, improve the healthcare of our citizens. We've seen pharmacies in strong Arkansas, Marvel, Junction City lose their only community pharmacy in the last 18 months. And dozens of Fred's pharmacies went out of businesses. Chain pharmacies have been cutting staff. Not, I heard of a case last week at the State Board of Pharmacy where a chain pharmacy in Little Rock, Arkansas had a pharmacist on staff with uh, 54 hours of work with a technician that was only there for part of the time and they were under really extreme working conditions that make it very difficult to provide patient care above and beyond the simple dispensing of the prescription. So this case has profound implications on not only our ability to have jobs but to have meaningful jobs where we're able to deliver the patient care that our patients deserve. Thanks to both of you. I'd like to thank my guests, Elisa Bernstein of the American Pharmacists Association and John Vincent of the Arkansas Pharmacists Association. I'm your host, Frank Fortin, and we thank you for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the American Pharmacists Association, the largest professional association of pharmacists in the United States.